I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. Taking some time off work when you have a baby is an accepted inevitability in life nowadays. But when you have more children and realize that the needs of your children are so acute, many women choose to take a longer career break. The harsh reality is, though, that our children don't need us for long. It seems like in no time at all, they march out into the world on their own, independent, confident, carelessly shaking themselves out of our arms. And it's at this time that often women find themselves considering a return to work. But as many of you listening know, returning to the workplace is easier said than done. Many women feel that they've lost their skills, their confidence, their relevance. But the idea that parents have no value in the workplace is something that I fundamentally disagree with. I'm a passionate believer that the gargantuan task of raising children equips women for the workplace in a way that no college or university can. And these women are a rich but underused resource that the workplace is often missing out on. So with me today, I've got someone who shares the same view as me. Domini Moss is a former headhunter who, after having children herself and observing the challenges that women face returning to work after a career break, founded The Return Hub, a search firm that focuses on recruiting professionals who want to return to work after a break. Domini, thank you so much for coming and joining me today on The Parenthood. That's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'd never really thought, well, I hadn't really ever heard about the term a career gap. I mean, you hear about sort of gap years and people taking, you know, gaps off to do something. But actually a career gap really sort of identifies well that break that women often find themselves having. Absolutely. Yes. Well, there are obviously there are thousands, many thousands of women who've had established careers, maybe 10, 15, 20 year careers. And then found themselves stepping off their career path for a while, taking some time out for all sorts of different reasons, but very often to fulfill caring responsibilities. Um, And then when the time comes to go back, find it somewhat challenging. I I set the business up really after a somewhat chance meeting I had with a fantastic woman who worked at one of the American investment banks. And she was very involved with their return to work program, what they called a returnship. And I was fascinated by this idea of a sort of a low risk structure, I suppose, for the employer to bring someone back into work after a break, but an opportunity to give those women as well some CV worthy experience. And uh, I had lots of questions for her. And when I said to her, you know, how many applications do you get for your program and how many places do you have? She said, well, we have 400 applications for 20 places. And I was I nearly fell off my chair. I couldn't believe it. I thought, who are all these people trying to get back to work? 
That's amazing that that many people are are that keen and and with with so few places available. Do you think there are more places available now? I mean, how long ago was this? This was nearly three years ago. And the concept of a sort of return to work program has grown considerably since then. Um, I think there are about 70 companies now that run their own return to work program. But I think increasingly, uh, most of what we do now at the Return Hub is putting people back into sort of business as usual roles. And, um, you know, we find that there are huge numbers of, you know, very kind of desk ready people who are, who, who are trying to get back to work and, and don't really need the sort of the structure of a special program. So, But so. it is, it's tough to go back after a work. I mean, I, I was interviewing um, Holly Branson on this podcast a few months ago, and she was saying how when she returned to work at Virgin, you know, her family company, she found that return intimidating herself. And I just, it really struck me that if, if sort of the daughter of the founder <laughs> felt like this with a, her surname as it is, what must it be like for, for everyone else in that position? Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I think, you know, lots of people always ask me about our candidates and and women who've been on a career break having a loss of confidence. And I think, you know, that that can very easily happen. I I mean, I know myself when I was on maternity leave with both of my children um, and I was off for about, I think, seven months with the first and slightly longer with the second. And even that really short time after the workplace, you know, you, you sort of start to think, gosh, you know, can I still do my job and you know will everything have moved on and will they remember me uh, and, and all these things but the reality is and, and we know this as well from from the women who've gone back to work on on you know some of the programs and the women that we work with that really regaining that confidence takes a matter of weeks um, you know it comes back very quickly once you get back to work you look around and you think gosh I'm just as capable as I ever was I'm just as smart as all these people I'm working with and actually I've come back to work with with a renewed energy and maturity and fresh perspective you know there's huge amounts of development and and skills and experience that people gain when they're on a career break and you know that very often is a huge benefit to 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 business yeah I mean I think obviously that return to work if you're then coming back into an environment that's quite supportive that's going to be a bit easier you know and obviously the more quickly women regain their confidence the better Mm. but you're right in terms of the added skills I mean god I found being a mother becoming a mother really really hard I had never been able to survive on so little sleep you know when it comes to negotiating with a child that doesn't want to put their boots on even though it's snowing outside (laughs) you know requires (laughs) skills that were way more you know tenacious than I'd ever had to kind of use in the workplace and I did feel that I was a much more capable person and certainly looking at me like efficiency you know if you're a mother and you've got an hour to do something you will get it done in an hour whereas prior to that I might have taken a day to do that because you know time is is less of a luxury I think yeah we we all know parents are ruthlessly efficient because they have no choice have to be yes and so I'm sure that you know those skills are definitely transferable and and really should be sort of celebrated god if we can all be more efficient then the workplace is the one you know that's really benefiting the employer well I think that definitely translates into the workplace and you know, I think if you make the decision to go back to work, A, you want to make sure that being at work really counts for something. But B, you know, you want to get your stuff done so that you can get out of there and, and be home and, you know, if at all possible, be back in time for bedtime or bath time or, or you know, to help with homework or, or whatever, whatever it is. So, I mean, absolutely, I think you are, you do become ruthlessly efficient. 
and I think we had uh, one one of our very first clients, actually a wonderful um, investment consultant, actually in the pensions industry. When they first embarked on on sort of working with us, one of the first people that they hired undertook a study of their employees to work out what was going on from a sort of culture and sort of, I suppose, what was happening during those working hours because they had a lot of sort of perhaps younger employees who tended to sort of stay very late and, you know, work long hours and, um, you know, perhaps would be finishing at sort of, you know, nine or 10 o'clock having ordered in pizza. And that seemed to be a sort of, you know, somewhat celebrated or sort of admired uh, thing. And anyway, they undertook this piece of work that ended up with the CEO at the end of it saying, look, what we understand now is that there actually is potentially a problem if you're not being able to get your work done in a reasonable time. You know, is it that you're not being efficient? You know, or is it that we've given you too much work and we need to hire somebody else? So really kind of reversing that attitude of a sort of, you know, work late culture into one where actually maybe the person that's getting their stuff done and able to leave by 5.30 is actually doing a better job, mm. um, which, you know, it was, it was really interesting, I thought. Do, I mean, we've explained how sometimes, you know, employees feel that they're on the back foot if they've had a career gap. Do you think that there is a negativity perceived around having a career gap from the sort of employer's point of view? Do you think employers look at people who've not worked for two, three, four, five years and think, well, they're going to be less appropriate a candidate than the person that's come straight off a next last job? I think that's right. I think there is there can be a reluctance from um, hiring managers to hire somebody with a with a career gap, um, and I think that has been sort of embedded over you know decades of of just being of just being told that if you're looking at a CV and there's a gap on it, there must be some kind of a problem, and really that sort of thinking hasn't caught up with where we are now in this moment of t- in time where we have you know, more women than ever who've gone through university, who've perhaps got a place on a graduate program or, you know, or, and then had a career for maybe sort of 10, 15, 20 years, taken a step off. And, you know, attitudes haven't moved on. There's still an assumption that, you know, well, there must be a problem. You know, have you not been able to get a job? Well, mm-hmm. actually, I haven't been looking for a job. I've been, you know, very busy, um, you know, bringing I up my had family. A job. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I've had the hardest job there is. Yeah. Thank well, you. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. I've had the hardest job there is, kind of unpaid. And, uh, but, but yeah, so I think there is definitely a perception that if you have a gap on your CV, that is a problem. And, you know, that's why we talk a lot to businesses about the benefits of hiring from this pool of returners and, you know, what are the business drivers and, you know, frankly, busting some of the myths that abound around these these kind of, you know, these women. Mm. And I mean, change is afoot in the world. You know, we, you know, we live in the era of sort of, of me too, of an increased understanding of what is appropriate and inappropriate, especially, you know, when you're looking at sort of gender politics and stereotypes. Do you think change is afoot in the workplace around this perception of a career break being negative or do you think we've still got a long way to go gosh that's a good question I mean it's it's quite hard to generalize I think that you know the fact that there are now kind of 70 companies in the UK that are running return to work programs is 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 a sign that things are changing and that things are moving on clearly in the grand scheme of things that is still a very very tiny number but you know more and more we hear in the media and the press you know, about the value that women can add to the workforce, the benefits that that, that women returning to work will add to the economy. You know, I think they call it the sort of, the, I've heard the expression as gender dividend. So is it changing? Slowly, slowly changing. Sometimes it feels that the pace of change is somewhat glacial. But yeah. I think, um, I mean, the, the, the things are definitely speeding up. And, and 
you know the people very, are listening to you people are listening I think the very first sort of diversity event that I went to in the city was about 15 years ago and I think that you know companies have spent absolute fortunes in that time trying to to move the needle to increase the participation of women in their workforce and They've done that through very various different initiatives, whether it's you know maternity coaching, whether it's establishing women's networks, whether it's things like you know unconscious bias training or redesigning job descriptions to appeal to a more kind of female audience. You know, all of these things, you know, are great. And I'm sure that a lot of the people that have been on the receiving end of some of those things, such as the sort of women's networks and, and coaching um, programs, have benefited hugely from them. But, the, you know, the sad reality is, is that the needle really has barely moved. And I think really why, where we're sort of starting to see the pace of um, change really speed up is because of things like the gender pay gap legislation that requires all companies with 250 or more employees to report on their gender pay gap. And particularly in the city, things like the Women in Finance Charter, which is a Treasury-backed charter that asks all firms in the financial services sector to sign up to it and in so doing to set targets to achieve a greater gender balance. There are now 300 companies in the city that have signed this charter. You know, the maths of that mean that, you know, they can't all hire from each other if they're going to get to where they say they want to be. They have to be looking at new pools of talent. And, you know, frankly, there's a huge pool of amazing women out there who do want to return to work. And, you know, the existing kind of recruitment industry, if you like, you know, for them isn't really fit for purpose. You know, it doesn't do the job of connecting them with employers. And, and I, I mean, I guess that's really where we come in. But yes, I think, you know, change is definitely is definitely happening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And obviously what you do is very, very important. We're going to talk about that in a bit. But I think the other key is the sort of initiative from women about having the confidence to say, I do want to return to work and I've got to think about where I start. And I think it'd be really interesting to talk about that, to talk a bit more about, you know, what how positive a career gap can actually be you know we are conditioned to think oh you're out of the market for two years you've not had mm-hmm. your finger on the ball you've mm-hmm. you know you've been loafing around at home in your tracky <laughs> bums with your baby but actually like I said I think I think these women are incredibly resourceful so it'd be really interesting to sort of go through and see you know what qualities would you expect to see in a mother um, who has had a career gap? And actually, you know, very often women who are taking a, a bit of time off, you know, might not be looking after babies. It might be looking after, you know, a relative who needs care. Yeah. But that is a, an incredibly selfless thing. We know that, I mean, one of the things that I found tough about being a mother, and one of the things I always talk about on the bump class about why mother parenthood is, is particularly difficult, is that you can't, someone said to me, you know, is looking after a baby a full-time job? I was like, no, it's like two full-time 
jobs because you never get a weekend. You never get, a, you know, clocking off hours. You never leave the office. Whether or not you're with your baby, you're still so emotionally tied to your child. And that is the most intense job you'll ever have. You're more committed to that job than, than anything else you ever will have. And I think returning then to work environment, you know, you, you have so much power to make a, a real difference you know I, I going back to the sort of hold sleep thing I remember you know when before I had children I'd sort of have a bit of a restless night sleep or a sort of late night and I think oh I can't go to work today or I'm not going to be very efficient at work because I only had sort of five hours sleep you realize when you've had children that even if you've had half an hour sleep you can still yeah. function because you've got no choice and yeah. I think that for me was a really important lesson that I'm a lot stronger and, and more resilient than I had sort of anticipated. And it's not often until you push yourself that you realise that. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think the other really great quality that you get is perspective on life and what's important and what you want to spend your time on and what not to spend your time on. And it makes you kind of ruthlessly efficient. But yeah, I think, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, re- resilience, patience. Uh, I mean, the negotiation skills. And that, <laughs> I remember, you know, negotiating. Oh, I was negotiating with children today. They have to go and see the dentist. <sighs> and I said, you know, guys, this isn't... If I asked you a question about whether you'd like to go to the dentist, it was a rhetorical question because you're going to the dentist. <laughs> and of course, they invent loads of stories and then they bring in the emotion. Oh, mommy, don't let me go. They even bring you in the, I just don't want to miss school. I'm like, I don't want you to miss school either, but you will thank me for this. <laughs> and you have to... Making those hard decisions on their behalf. I mean, anyone who's had a tough boss or a tough client to deal with, mm. nothing compares to having a child that doesn't want yeah. to do something. No, There's absolutely. also the thanklessness. You know, you're doing a job for which you are not appreciated whatsoever when you're a parent you know no child goes mommy thanks so much for ensuring that I brushed my teeth you know the last two years and don't have to have fillings I know I was difficult but I really appreciate the time and patience you put into that yes Yes. but that is yes persistence I think if I can think how many times I have to say go and clean your teeth every morning I mean goodness me I might as well just put it press record press play on the on the record and and, and you know, even I get jobs are tough. I get people can be difficult when you're in a professional mm. space, but nothing is ever <laughs> quite as difficult as the sort of unrelenting, you know, yes. uh, they're almost like little mini dictators who you're in love with. It's like you've got yeah. Stockholm syndrome with a dictator. Yeah. Yes. So it's influencing skills then, isn't it, that we can hone as parents is... Yes. How do we persuade someone to do something that they don't really want to do? Yeah. <laughs> and God, you know, no business school teaches you that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. But yeah. So I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, am I still qualified? What you will have gained from a career gap are a huge amount of skills that you, you didn't have before. And, and, you know, that, that tenacity that life only teaches you when you're so invested as a parent. Yeah, we did. We actually did some research very recently for the Women and Work All Party Parliamentary Group, and um, we we surveyed a, a large number of our of our candidates. And what we found is that four out of five women surveyed agreed that taking time out has taught them valuable transferable skills, uh, including increased emotional intelligence, and I think fifty five percent called management skills. And over half, I think it was 54%, considered themselves better, better people managers through experiences gained during their time out. But despite this, 7 out of 10 felt time away dented their confidence, which a significant 
number, about a quarter, believed to be a key barrier to returning to work. Yeah, so that does make... And and maybe it's around our language. I mean, you sort of mentioned the word, you know, being a better people manager. And that's actually the perfect description of being a parent. You're a people manager. You're your children manager. I mean, it teaches you these skills that, you know, you're going to use in the workplace that aren't half as testing as, as in the workplace. Absolutely. And I think... I think it's also important to be realistic about the competitive nature of the job market. And, you know, I think if you are thinking about going back to work, it's really about trying to remember and really sort of thinking about, you know, what are those skills that you have learned? And for many, many of the women that we work with, whilst they've been, you know, busy raising children or or looking after an elderly parent or, or, you know, whatever it might be, they very often have been gaining new new skills in things like entrepreneurship or they've been um, perhaps doing some further study or one of the women one of the first women that we placed actually she'd been off doing a doing Operation Raleigh she'd been off building a water sanitation plant in the pool uh, managing a team you know getting all of these great sort of project management skills and so you know it's a bit like sort of when you're at school and you're thinking you know what how do I make my CV stand out from everyone else's and you know you're thinking about you know, like my grade six piano or, you know, was I sort of captain of a hockey team or, you know, was I sort of, you know, Duke of Edinburgh award or whatever it might be. And in a way, it's sort of quite similar when you're thinking about returning to work. It's thinking about, you know, what have I done during my break that is going to put me head and shoulders above everyone else that's going to get me that job interview. And, and, and it is important to really to remember that it, you know, it is still a competitive job market out there. I mean, obviously, a lot of people returning to work after a career gap have some restrictions. And these are kind of definitely perceived as negatives, like, you know, potentially wanting to be able to have flexibility in their yeah. work environment, maybe yeah. wanting to work some days from home. How difficult yeah. is that to negotiate and how open minded are employers, you know, to mm. the idea of employing people that are really skilled, yeah. but do need a degree of flexibility? Because I, I genuinely think flexibility isn't a bad thing. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. a pro-employee and anti-employer. I think it can work brilliantly for both parties. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we're seeing more and more of that. And obviously with the increased technological advances, you know, it's increasingly easier to enable working from home or, or agile working. I, I do sometimes think that flexible working can be sort of labelled as a, you know, as a mother thing or as a sort of women's thing, which can be a bit dangerous because... You know, fundamentally, I think most people, you know, nowadays do want a degree of flexibility in order to live a kind of you know, live and work a balanced life. And, you know, we interestingly, we had we, we collect a lot of data on candidates when they register with us in terms of their skills and experience and background and how, you know, how long they've been out. And one of the questions we asked them is, do you want to work full time, uh, part time or project work? And we were surprised initially when we saw this about 73 percent and it stays fairly consistent tick the full-time box when they register now that doesn't mean that they might want some degree of flexibility over a full-time working schedule but I do think employers are you know more and more aware that if they want to attract the best talent they have to be able to offer some kind of flexibility and there you know in reality there are very few roles that it's absolutely impossible to um to do so I mean, in the city, there are obviously some regulated roles, I mean, particularly trading roles or, or some even client facing roles where, you know, it's very difficult to be to, to do that role out of the office. 
Um, the vast majority, I think, there is a, a degree of flexibility that can be built into a, into a role. And flexibility, I mean, as an employer, I, I would want flexibility to be key because it works in the employer's interest as well. You know, there are some days... Mm that you just have to work really hard all day long and stay a little bit longer. And you just need that flexibility mm. from, from that point of view mm. as well. Yeah. I think the important thing is when you're talking to employers about needs for flexibility in a, in a working arrangement, it's really, really important to be solution focused. So no hiring manager ever wants to hear that someone wants to join them and they have a kind of very rigid uh, requirements and it's going to be a problem for them to manage along with the rest of their team. Um, I think what they really want to hear is, look, you know, I need to have this kind of flexibility in my week. I need to do, you know, whether it's drop off once a week or pick up once a week or one day a week from home, whatever it is. But they want it to be presented with a solution. So this is how it's going to work for you. And this is why it's not going to be a problem. Um, and thinking about that, I think, is going to be really helpful if you are in that situation where you're trying to negotiate a flexible working arrangement. You know, the idea that potentially the negatives you might be presenting, you can turn them into positives. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping that slowly we're inspiring women that might have been a little bit worried about returning to work, that it is potentially an option. If you do want to start that sort of thought process and, and the process of going back to work, how do you start? Where do you start if you've had sort of five, 10 years off? What, what do you start with? Yeah. So I would always start with the research. So think about, you know, A, what do you want to do? And you know, is it that you want to go back to your old industry or do you have skills that are very transferable to, to, into doing something slightly different? And one of the th best places to start your research is obviously Google, but also is tapping into your old network. So you'd be amazed, I think, at how many people that perhaps were your old colleagues or old clients or, or people that were in your professional network who will be only too happy to hear from you. And who knows, may even not be aware that you want to go back to work. And once they know that, that you're keen, might say, well, gosh, you know, come and have a chat with us. So definitely you know ask people to have a coffee with you and it's not about saying oh gosh it's all a bit awkward because I'm going to go and you know call my old colleague and they're going to think that I want a job it's about saying I'm just starting on that journey back to work I'm, I'm trying to find out what my options are I'd love to come and have a chat can I buy you a cup of coffee and just find out what's going on in my industry you know what's keeping people awake at night what are the key themes and then alongside that you know let social media be your guide find out who on Twitter to follow so for example you know what journalists are writing about your industry you know who are the sort of thought leaders within your world it can be a very efficient way to sort of kind of curate a kind of library of information or or sort of key um you know key writers on a particular topic or industry and I think once you've done that that will help inform some of the decision making that you'll need to do further down the road Obviously, and maybe also inspire you. You know, yes, the more information you yes. know about something, the more passionate you get about mm. it. And I think yeah. you know, very often if you haven't worked, you're a bit isolated and mm. you think, well, yeah. you know, my information is redundant. And then you think, mm. oh, I'm reminded why, why I wanted to get into it in the first place. Yeah. It's a really cool industry and yeah. look how it's moved on. And actually, I've got new ideas that I yeah. could contribute. It's that inspiration Absolutely. almost. Absolutely, exactly right. And I think uh, there is also obviously the sort of practical aspect of what does your CV look like and making sure that's up to speed. We actually have lots of tools on the Return Hub website to help with CV writing. Because um, that's changed. You know, if you haven't been in the yeah. workplace for 10 years, you know, yeah. you probably are going to need to revisit that and spend quite a lot of time doing that, aren't you? Absolutely, definitely. I mean, that is your marketing document and that is your opportunity to make a good first impression. And, you know, you'd be amazed at how little time actually recruiters or hiring managers often spend on a CV. You know, they want to see those kind of keywords that match the skills that they're looking for kind of pop out within about five seconds. And so, you know, that's that's really important to get right. 
and LinkedIn profile as well. You know, pretty much most recruiters will receive a CV. And if it looks sufficiently interesting, then go and check you out on LinkedIn. Key bit of advice there is make sure you have a professional photograph. (laughs) (laughs) What, just not something pulled from your iPhone, not a selfie with your Not a holiday snap that sort of, you know, you've you've cut cut someone else off next to you and it's sort of... No bikini shots. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, it depends depends what what job you're you're going going for. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, ideally not the bikini shot, yeah. Um, And that doesn't need to cost loads of money. No, goodness me, no. I mean, the iPhones are so amazing these days. You you know, you just need to get someone to take it for you on a a phone. Yeah, Um, dressed appropriately with a sort of appropriate background. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Looking professional. Yeah, so LinkedIn, I mean, I'm not on LinkedIn, but that is, again, you know, that's that's pretty easy to get involved with. And that will presumably also build your community in terms of re-engaging with, you know, the important people within your work sphere. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a, a incredibly popular professional network, and I would say that you know most most recruiters, well, well, certainly most recruiters or headhunters will use LinkedIn as part of their professional toolkit to you know just to look for, to to screen, to to sort of know more about potential candidates. So uh, you know, LinkedIn really is is really important. And actually, we run lots of webinars on how to do your LinkedIn profile and how to do your CV. So you can always look at our website to sort of find out more about that. You know, I I presume that today it is easier for us to kind of do a bit more research online about, you know, there's so many instant articles that you can download. And if you convert that to 10, 15 years ago, there's so much more that's accessible online. There's so many more ideas. And it may be that you sort of go back to what was your original job and think, actually, there's a branch of that that I find particularly interesting. Maybe I'm going to change that slightly. And that gives you then the opportunity to sort of go down that route and, 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 and meet people you know, around, around that kind of idea. And I mean, one thing we sort of did mention is the sort of recruitment industry. What you're doing is quite disruptive within that industry, sort of specifically sourcing women who have had or people who've had a a career gap. Is this a sort of slow change? Or is uh, are people open to the idea of, of, you know, these skills? So the recruitment industry, uh, you know, I've obviously been in the recruitment industry for about 17 years now. And when it comes to people who've had a career break, it's, you know, it's fundamentally not really fit for purpose. And the reasons for that are many, really. But if I think about, you know, how executive search works, so that's the sort of the headhunters, you know, who are operating at a relatively sort of mid and senior level, you know, they're, they're great at finding people who are already in a role. And that's what they get paid to do. They get paid to know a sector incredibly well, uh, in great depth. And, and that's really, that's what they do. And then you've got the sort of recruitment agencies at the sort of sort of slightly lower salary bracket level at sort of more volume end of the of the recruitment industry and they very often are in a competitive process with a, a potential client who might have asked sort of three or four recruitment agencies to help fill a role and so for them it's really about you know who, who's the closest fit to the job spec who looks like the least risky candidate you know who's the most obvious fit and how quickly can I get them in front of the client so really for anyone who's a little bit sort of outside of that who perhaps has a you know let's call it a non-linear CV you know, they're just not going to get a look in. And then you've got the jobs boards. And there are many, many, many jobs boards out there. And, you know, even sort of you know, pretty senior roles now advertised online. And these jobs boards have what's called an ATS or, a, or an algorithm, if you like, that matches the CVs that are, that are sent through to the job description. Now, these 
online jobs boards very often you know you might have hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of applications for one particular role they need to be filtered down into a kind of manageable a number so that a human being can then sort of you know sift through the the, the best five or ten and you know those algorithms will kick you out very often if you've got a cv gap very often even if you've got a sort of slightly strange formatting to your cv a table or something like this and so you know these are all the reasons why you know, the sort of the recruitment industry isn't isn't really built for you if you've had a career gap. And the knock-on effect of that is if you don't realise that's what's happening, you can begin to think that perhaps it's you. And that, again, can kind of really go into sort of denting your confidence. And, you know, it's not you, it's the system. Mm, so keep trying. Yeah, definitely. Domini, is it, do you think it's ever too late to return to work? It is never too late to return to work. I do, I do get asked this sometimes when we have candidates who register with us who perhaps have had you know, quite long career breaks, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 years. The first person that we placed two or three years ago now had actually been out nearly 15 years and she had three children and while she'd been, she'd had a great city career prior to her break, she'd had three children and while she'd been out, she'd launched an art consulting business that she'd run from home, but basically advising ultra high net worth individuals about art and art as an asset class and helping them with shipping and tax and insurance and all this sort of thing. And she'd, she'd, she'd come to us because she'd, her youngest had gone off to school and she wanted to relaunch her city career. And we introduced her to a fantastic client of ours that was in the same industry that she was in before. And they were absolutely thrilled to have been introduced to her. She started with them. She retook her exams within the first month, passed, is back working full time and absolutely loving it and relishing every moment of, of being able to kind of relaunch her her career so I, I really honestly believe it's not about how long you've been out it's it's a, it's about other things you know a successful return to work is about you know your attitude your determination being able to articulate your your value add your you know why should what what, what is it that you can add to an employer you know understanding what skills you've gained and you know why is that relevant to a potential employer no, you know that added maturity I look at my 20 year old self and I compare it to my 40 year old self and I'm definitely yeah. an easier person to deal with. <laughs> there are fewer issues. And I think especially in mm. the sort of, you know, the, the, the vibe of a workplace that can actually really, really help. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about why it's great to go back to work. I mean, obviously, there's many reasons that people choose to go back to work after a career bake. And sometimes there is no choice. Sometimes there's, you know, they've got to go for financial reasons. Yeah. Yes. But there also are sometimes situations, presumably this lady you were just talking about, I, I just want this to be a part of my life because I know yeah. it's going to be rewarding. Yeah. So when we ask many of our candidates, you know, what do you want to do? So often I hear them say, I want to do interesting and challenging work and I want to be part of a team again. And I think the sort of most important bit of that is being part of a team again. And it sort of makes me smile because I occasionally get approached by a potential employer who calls me up and says, um, you know, Tommy, I think you might be able to help me. We've got this great job and it's working from home. And I always have to say to them, I'm so sorry, my my candidates have been at home <laughs> they want to get out of the home <laughs> and you know they want to leave the front door is their professional self yeah. and and go back and you know and do work that is going to be interesting and challenging but part of a team and I think that is one of the you know the most appealing aspects of going back to work is feeling that you're part of something something and else valued and yeah. and you know that people come to you because they value your 
thought and advice and thinking on a certain mm. matter. Yeah. And I think you just don't have that. I definitely had a sort of loss of confidence um, after I had Ludo. And I remember going to a dinner party once and I was sitting next to this fascinating man who was in politics, but he had, you know, he'd, he'd raised loads of money for charity and he'd climbed mountains. And I just thought, and he said, so what do you tell me about you? And I just said, but it's just so boring compared to you because I basically, I go to play groups and I take my children to baby swimming and I feed them and then I clear up all the mess that they've made. And that is the sort of roundabout of my day. And I felt like I was such a boring person. I felt I needed to get back into the workplace to give myself a bit of what I had been. And I'm not saying that all women should feel like that. Actually, I think that, you know, you, you being a mother, it should be a, a sort of value, but you often don't feel very valued. And you don't, like you said, you don't feel part of a team and you don't feel like you've got any area of expertise. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, being, being a mother can sometimes be so lonely and, you know, am I allowed to say quite boring mm-hmm. sometimes? Oh, God, so boring. That's why we started a podcast, because yeah. podca- you can listen to things, at least, that's not sort of daytime TV that make your life just oh. a little bit you know, thought-provoking. And listen, yeah. there's always that sacrifice. You know, I think as a yeah. working parent, you will always have that time that you leave your children and you think, I shouldn't be leaving my kids. You know, they're mm. ill or they need me. You know, children yeah. come home from school and sometimes they've got something big going on and you think, I would do anything not to have to leave you now. But yeah. I do. And yeah. I think it's also a great, you're being a great mo- role model going back to mm. work. You know, mummy mm. has to go to work. Because actually, I really enjoy work. Like, I love being with you. Yeah. But I also really enjoy creating, you know, being a, a part that is a big part of me. Yeah. And so it's about like everything in life. It's about, you know, sacrifice and working out mm. what's what sort of sacrifices. Mm. But generally, I mean, I, I like I said, I, I love my work. I love, you know, the the way it stimulates me and the way the person it has made me but it's not always perfect I think it's very difficult to ever get that perfect balance but by and large I feel Mm. the balance I have you know the 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 benefits I get from being Mm. away and working outweigh you know the 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 sacrifices I have to make and the times that yeah and I I think one's children are only little for a period of time my mother always says to me your children are only borrowed and I think that's very true. You know, there will come a time, obviously, when they are, you know, they're going to fly the nest. And and the easier you make that for them, the yeah. better it is. There's some research yeah. that I was reading the other day saying that parents who encourage their children to leave, that encourage their children to do their first holiday on their own, spend their first Christmas away from their family and don't make them feel guilty about it, mm. are the children that in the longer term are much closer to their families. And it's that's the families who yeah. clutch onto them and say, oh, but please don't leave me alone. And you, can't, you yeah. of course we've got to spend the summer together. They're the ones that eventually become more distant. And, and that's, yeah. I mean, I'm dreading that. I'm dreading yeah. the time when my children are like actually I've got a better invitation this Easter I don't want to be with you (laughs) but I know I'm going to have to do some some deep breathing and possibly jump into work a little bit more to find something that you know to fill that void that is as rewarding as being a mother yeah I think there's always a compromise to be made in uh, you know in life and I sometimes think when thinking about going back to work and you know what kind of role you want and it's a bit like the London house market you know whatever seemingly whatever your budget is you have to make a compromise you know it's you know is it the kind of the box room or the smaller garden or the not the ideal location and it's a bit the same with work you know it's you know is it the right working week you know is it full-time is it the right boss is it the right company 
culture? Is it the, you know, all of these things that kind of go into the mix? And in the end of the day, you just have to figure out which bits you're willing to compromise on and which bits you're not. And presumably, if you accept a job that is sort of imperfect, but you go in and you do a really good job and you charm the pants off them well not actually charming the pants but you know (laughs) you charm them you presumably are in a stronger position to negotiate if they have started really relying on you and value realizing your value than sort of having not worked for them before you know accepting a job is not that's the job it's going to be forever there is always you know room for potential compromise once that's started presumably I think that's so true and when you're thinking about going back to work and you get that job you know, you're not signing up for life in blood. Uh, mm. You know, you're you're going to give it a go, and of mm. course, everyone wants it to work out and and for it to be successful. But its but success it's, could lie in that two years time you move on to something else that yeah. you know, and the door yeah. has been opened by your current job. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think we're certainly moving into a, a time when people spend less time in in jobs as it is, and you know, we hear a lot about portfolio careers, and you know, I think it's one of the big issues for sort of certainly large employers is how do they retain their sort of you know their graduate employees beyond sort of you know two to three years because this is a generation of people that all want to come into work and you know got their eye sort of when they start on what they're going to do next Mm. and which is you know quite different I think from you know certainly my generation where you know you thought you know I'm going to go into into a career as a you know fill in the blank you know banker journalist Mm. spaceman you know whatever it might be in terms of payment do you have to take a pay cut after a career gap that is a great question. Again, really difficult to generalize because it depends what you're going to do. So for example, we have, uh, you know, c- candidates that we work with who might have had a, you know, very successful career as an investment banker. They don't necessarily want to go back and be an investment banker and be on a plane three times a week. They've got these great skills, which are eminently transferable into something else. But the reality is, you know, they're just probably not going to get paid the same as they did as an investment banker. But if you but if, I would if you say, are going into the same job, if you think, right, I am going to do that, whatever it is, job again, yeah. do you, should you go in thinking, I'm probably not going to be paid as much at the beginning, but there's no reason why I can't sort of accelerate that? Or is it something you can really fight for? I think it really varies, but it's definitely something to try and fight for. I, I think the, the, the better thing to think about is, am I being paid fairly in line with my peers who are coming in, you know, I'm coming into a role and, and how do I benchmark myself against them? And that's really important because when you go back into a you know, particular kind of corporate career in a kind of large organization, the level that you go in at is the level that you'll be in for probably quite a while. And whilst it might be tempting to sort of think, I'll go in at a bit of a lower level because that's my safety zone and I'll perhaps accept a little bit more money. The, the reality is for the majority of people, you will regain that confidence really quickly, start to look around and think, mm, hang on a minute. <laughs> you know, I'm just as good as all, all these other people. I'm just as capable as I ever was. And I'm being paid, you know, X percent less than I should be. And that can start to kind of really niggle. Yeah. You know, aim to go back in at an appropriate level with the right pay benchmarked against your peers and ensure that that organization is kind of teeing you up for success in the role. Yeah. And what about, you know, the whole part time thing? I see so often friends of mine, they return to work, but they only want to work four days a week. So they basically are paid 20 percent less because they're taking one day off. But the job is essentially a full-time job. They're just mm. being super efficient mm. and they're not on Facebook and, you know, yeah. going out for sort of long coffee breaks. They're, yeah. you know, they're properly getting it done because they want to get home. And that's yeah. so unfair. How do it you... It is so unfair. You're so right. It's such a good question because I think... I tend to think that a four-day-a-week job is basically doing a five-day-a-week job in four. And, you know, very often on that fifth day, 
you're kind of juggling phone calls, answering emails, kind of doing what needs to be done. And you do begin to get a bit resentful thinking, I'm being paid 20% less than everyone else and I'm kind of doing the same job. But at the same time, you know, you probably do want to kind of think, I've got to kind of go and do all these things on a, you know, let's say it's a Friday that I don't want to do on a Saturday because I'm with the children. But, you know, I need to go and do the Sainsbury shop (laughs) or whatever it might be. And, and also not feel bad about that. So I do sometimes think actually a kind of four and a half day week is quite a good compromise in terms of pay and suggesting that half a day from home on the fifth day or, or even, you know, going into the office for half a day is a good compromise. Um, but you know, a job is a job. And if you get the job done, surely yeah. it shouldn't matter whether or not you're yeah. at your desk, you yeah. know, for that final half a day. And we all yeah. know that as a parent, you yeah. get stuff done. Yeah. God, you know, the amount of stuff I get, you know, while I'm sitting on the loo sometimes, just because that is my <laughs> three minutes to be like, okay, I can do an Ocado shop in three minutes. Yeah. But it was yeah. if I had all the time in the world, I wouldn't yeah. <laughs> sit down with a cup of tea and I'd take my time. Yeah. And But yeah. I just, I don't know, I just feel that women are sort of penalised and should women be going into the workplace going, I will do your job, give me some flexibility, let me work from home one day a week and then they choose if they've got their job done, if they have done all the stuff that they have done, then mm. they can go and do what they want because quite frankly, mm. a lot of people that don't have children, you know, they, they come into the office really hungover and they're really inefficient <laughs> that day or yeah. they're flirting over the water machine, whatever it is, you know, we all yeah. know that having been yeah. in an office environment without that time yeah. pressure, there is a lot yeah. of time to do sort of other stuff. Yeah. I mean, some weeks vary and some jobs vary. But at the same time, surely we should be looking at the job being a job done rather than how long it's taken you to do it. Yeah, we do see this very often. It is the compromise that I think a lot of women think it's the the payoff that they're willing to take. And I think it's just really important to kind of make sure that your employer isn't taking advantage of you in that respect. And you don't Um, feel like you're being taken advantage of. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, I suppose it's about contentment too. And if you feel as a woman you're being taken for a ride because of your gender, because Mm. of your career gap, because Mm. of your circumstances, and whether that's Mm. in terms of pay, in terms of respect, in terms of flexibility, you've got to say something, don't you? You can't just sit there being resentful and be breeding unhappiness. You've just got to, you know, make an appointment, address it properly, be honest about it and presumably present a solution. Yeah, absolutely. Be solution focused, definitely. Yeah make sure the employer knows what's in it for them yeah yeah sell yourself like you're if you're yes. in sales you need to you're, you need to be the sort of one yes. one item that you're selling Dominique, thank you so much for joining us today it's been so interesting and hopefully really inspiring for people listening to this do have a look at the return hub it's returnhub.com you're also where else can people find you we're also on social media so um do you follow us on linkedin twitter facebook instagram and does your website, it, it, it's a great resource for people who are sort of initially thinking whether or not you can actually, you know, they can, you can place them is, is another thing. But there's also lots of sort of support in terms of creating your CV, the LinkedIn yeah. you were saying. Yes. Yeah. We have, we run free webinars on how to do your CV, uh, how to do your LinkedIn profile, um, interview skills. There's lots of inspiring case studies of women that we've placed back into work. Also uh, things like our CV writer tool and lots of inspiring stories. And if there are employers listening to this thinking, oh my gosh, yes, of course, people who've had a career gap are the perfect recruits for my business. Do they get in touch with you as well over the website? Absolutely. Yes, please. You can find all our contact details on the website. 
Perfect. Well, thank you. And thank you all for listening to another episode of The Parenthood. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. It does make it easier for people to find us. From our listening figures, you're all doing a tremendous job already. So for that, I thank you. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel, where you can suggest other topics for our next chat. But in the meantime, from Dominic and me, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.